I'm going to jump right into 2 Kings chapter 4. And I love how it kind of kicks off. It kicks off in verse 8 where it says, Now it happened one day. I don't know if you understand how powerful of a statement that is, but when 2020 started this year, I had no idea what it happening could feel like. You know, I, I feel like this is probably one of the best ways to describe 2020 is, man, it's like I got up one day and it happened. You know, the world would call it with the say it like that with a couple more letters in it. But you need to know something. Sometimes you're going to get up and it's just going to happen. But because it happens doesn't mean God is still not God. And a lot of times we don't try to get into the presence of God or connect into the presence of God until we find ourselves right in the middle of it. When this year started off, man, I was looking toward the great and amazing things God was going to do. The prophetic word the Lord gave me was in 2020, we would see things that we have never seen before. I thought, wow, it's going to be a great year. And then I started seeing things this year I had never seen before. We watched the world shut down. That is crazy. We saw COVID-19 change the way we live and move and do. We saw the nation erupt. We even saw two hurricanes in the Gulf of Mexico at the same time and first time in history that's ever happened. This has been and it happened here. It was a tough year for me. I don't know about you in 2020 as being a pastor. And all of a sudden we were going toward and doing the things of God. We thought, and then all of a sudden, boom, we get the laws told to us. We can't meet together. We can't gather. And the doors of the church got shut. And we could, we weren't even meeting on parking lots. And as a pastor, you know, I can't imagine sitting in my father's seat because his is the level above ours. So everything I carry on my shoulders, he has to carry four times more. But man, where I was, man, all of a sudden, when all we went through the season where the church pulled out for three weeks, we went from our giving going down to less than five, down to five percent of what it normally was. I'm looking at rent. I'm looking at bills. I'm talking to church people. They're afraid. They're panicking. They're here seeing jobs shut down. People in our church were losing jobs finances, even though jobs stopped, bills didn't. And as a pastor trying to lead through strength, man, 2020 has been a hard year. But even beyond being a pastor this year, 2020 as a father, back in March, for three years, I thought, totally understood that I had a totally healthy baby girl. Me and Jen took them to the doctor. I've been to doctors multiple times in those three years for checkups and things like that. But we took Isla to her three-year checkup. We walked in the doctor's office. And when we walked in the door, the doctor stepped back and said, Whoa, 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 something's not right here. And in the next few minutes, it happened. We were told that my daughter would be going through multiple, multiple surgeries. And that she would be spending the next six months in a full-body cast. And the prognosis of this stuff was, you know, the for she had a double hip dysplasia. And so for a child to have one hip dysplasia, that's one in a thousand. But for double hip dysplasia, there was no amount of statistic because the doctor that we had was the third best in the world or in the nation said, I've only seen this once every five or six times in my career. It happened. You know, I don't know about you as being a husband or father. This It, it happened this year. Um, not saying any names. Just yesterday, I was in Birmingham. And with my family, we were in separate cars because when we were leaving Birmingham, we were going in different directions. And I'm not going to name names. I'm just going to say I was married to this person. And they borrowed my phone. And when they borrowed my phone, 
they were going to go down to the car to get their phone. And when they came back up, they did not have my phone. And so when we call it, somebody that we did not know answered my phone. And so it happened. And I don't know about you. If you've ever been out of town and lose your phone in a process like that, man, it took me almost two and a half hours to go 11 miles to find out where I was because I did not have my maps. And man, it happened. Everything and everything for this weekend and the connections to the food team. Man, it happened. Has anything happened in your life this year that you just feel like, man, it has happened? I'm here to tell you, it's okay, it happens. But I'm also here to tell you, just because it happens doesn't mean God's still not on the throne. Here in this story, it says it happened. Let me not close on a bad note there. I'm here to tell you, it happened as a pastor. And now our church is bumping and going there in El Dorado. Our giving is a beyond. Not only that, during this process, they bought that food truck there. They have taken, we bought that food truck there because we decided this. If the devil's going to try to make it happen, we're going to be in the kingdom. And the kingdom of God suffers violence, but the violent take it by force. I love how Pastor Donald said that. He said, we are going after Pine Bluff. We're going to take it back. And over the last several months, El Dorado Church has been going into every neighborhood that has a name attached to it. And we go in there and we have turned that neighborhood into the house of God. And every Sunday night they've been going in and having church in different locations. We decided if people can't come to us, we're going to the people. We're going to lift up the name of Jesus and we're going to take El Dorado back. And man, I'm so pumped the truck gets to be here today. I'm so thankful for our team. Give our team a big honk. They're going to cook you an amazing lunch. They got burgers, chicken sandwiches. They've got chicken nuggets for kids. And on your way out, you'll leave all these exits. Whatever exits you leave, they'll be there. You'll just roll your window and say, I want two burgers and a chicken sandwich or whatever. You order what you want and they're going to stick it to you. They're cooking it to you now. So, man, even though it happens, man, God takes me. I'm here to tell you this as a father. As a father, and I, I can tell you. Seven weeks ago, they cut a full body cast off my daughter. And yesterday, she was walking across a hotel room like you couldn't even tell anything was wrong. It happens. God is faithful. I'm here to tell you, when that person I didn't name that name, that put my phone somewhere and somebody else got it, it was not a pretty day as a husband for me that day. <laughs> and and I, I'm here to tell you this, that... Before the sun went down yesterday, me and Jen are good. That, that, that losing that phone would have been a big ordeal. But I'm here to tell you, God is faithful. Even if it, it happened in your marriage this year, it's going to happen. We need to know what to do when it does. And here in 2 Kings chapter 4, it says, and it happened. I'm going to read to you. It says, on the day that Elijah went to Shunammah, there was a noble woman, a great woman, and she persuaded him to eat some food. So it was as often as he passed by, he would turn in there to eat some food. And she said to her husband, look now, I know that this is a holy man of God who passes by us regularly. Please let us make a small upper room on the wall. Let us put a bed in there for him and a table and a chair and a lampstand. So will it be whenever he comes to us, he can turn in there. And it happened. 
One day that he came there and he turned into the upper room and lay down there and he said to Gazeha, his servant, call this Shunammite woman. When he had called to her, she stood before him and he said to him, she, she said to him, say now to her, look, you have been concerned for us with all this care. What can we do for you? Do you want me to speak on your behalf to the king or to the commander of the army? And she answered, I dwell among my own people. And he said, what then is it to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, actually, she has no son. Her husband is old. So he said, call her. When he had called her, she stood in the doorway. And then he said, about this time next year. I'm prophesying to you today. There's three more months left this year. You need to understand why he just said said about this time next year. That means in the next three months, God had to do something in her life, in her situation for her to get pregnant because she had three months to get pregnant. And then she carried a baby for nine months. About this time next year, I prophesy to you, God's about to do something for you. God's about to change this thing that you're facing. You need to know. This time next year, it's not going to be anything like you're seeing it right now. But what you also need to know is this. You've got to do something to make it happen. Said, she called to her when her dad, when he had called her, he stood in the doorway and he said, about this time, you shall embrace a son. And she said, no, my Lord, man of God, do not lie to your maidservant. But the woman conceived and bore a son when the appointed time had come. Of which Elijah had told her. I'm going to stop right there. I'm just going to jump into this thing full strong. Are you ready? Your life will only be as great as you understand and pursue the connection of God and the presence of God in your life. I love this woman and it goes into descriptive detail talking about her real quick. We'll go into the first thing it said. It says she was a great woman is what the King James says. She was a great woman from Shunema. Now I love this because if you understand what great means is, great means that she wasn't an ordinary person. There were things inside of her. There were abilities that she had. There was character connected into her life that made her stand out above the rest. She said she was from Shunema. In the word Shunema means unlevel, uneven. She had an advantage. There was something about her that she had an advantage. That she was not like anyone else. She was another class on another level than other people. And because of that, it understood that she made her great. I'm here to tell you this. If you don't understand the importance of being connected to the presence of God in your life, it's the very reason why you wish you were greater in some areas than you are. You will only be as great in your life as you are connected to the presence of God. Just like my phone. It can only be as good and be used for what it was meant to be used for as long as I keep it periodically connected to a power source greater than His. We try to do this on our own so many ways. We try to get the promotion of the job on our own. We try to you know, make the, be the husband that we need to be on our own. We try to be great in so many ways, but you need to understand something. You're never going to be great unless you understand... 
the presence of God is where your greatness comes from. You can take an ordinary person, walk them into an ordinary situation, and they will be ordinary. You take an ordinary person, walk them into the presence of God, and God puts and does and puts a work on the inside of them to a place they will be and do things they can never be or do without the presence of God. This woman understood that. Because the Bible says that she would hear that the prophet would pass by periodically. It's in the Old Testament. People couldn't just come to church and gather and expect God to show up. As a matter of fact, when the children of Israel came out of Egypt, the presence of God had to stay in a box. And they had to let someone connect to the presence of God for them and bring it out and bring the glory back into the crowd. As the Old Testament progressed, the only presence of God that people could connect to were the prophets of God. If you needed to hear from God, whoa, well, there goes those notes. We'll just preach it anyway. If, if you needed to connect with God, you wouldn't found a prophet. If a king wanted to hear from God, if a king, so the prophets in the Old Testament represented the presence of God. So when someone wanted the presence of God, they would go find a prophet. And here we find a lady that understood the importance and the power of the presence of God in her life. And the Bible says she would hear that he would pass by occasionally. So when she would hear he would pass by occasionally, she didn't leave it up to him to come and get put. She didn't put the responsibility on the prophet to come to her house. She was willing to get up and go to where the prophet of God was. I'm so impressed that so many people during this season and during this pandemic have been willing to go to church in different ways than you've ever went before. We're sitting in a parking lot in a car. That's weird. But you didn't care. You understood that the presence of God was important enough and valuable enough in your life that if you have to sit in a car to hear the voice of God, sit in a car to be in the presence of God, you know that your life will only consist of greatness as much as you are connected to His presence. But my fear is this. There are some people that in this season, the enemy is convinced that it's okay to stay home. It's okay to disconnect. You need to know something. There's not a single place in the Bible that says that the that promises me the Prince of God is going to be on my phone screen or on my television screen. It's time for the people to come back to church where two or three are gathered together in His name. There He is in the midst of them. I can't live without the presence of God. And this lady knew that. She could have been like everybody else. She She could have stayed at home, but no, she understood that if the presence of God was going to come by on the road, it's not God's responsibility to come to me. It's my responsibility to come to God. That's why David said this. I was glad when they said, let us go to the house of the Lord, because he knew he understood. I can't make it without God. I can't make it without the presence of God connected into my life. And so it started here in her life. She heard he was coming by on the road. So she would get up and she would go toward where the presence of God was. And I'm here to tell you that I'm so proud that so many people in our churches have. You know, we read the statistics. One in in five churches right now across America are closing their doors because of what it has done this year. When it happened, people pulled back because we couldn't meet. And when the doors opened back, there were some people that thought they got through that without it. And so they don't need it now. I'm here to tell you, you're never going to be in a place where you won't need the presence of God. And you can choose to pursue it, or you can choose to have to get to a place that you're so desperate for it that you will go anywhere to find it. But see, she wasn't going to wait for her to have to get desperate because this lady had been through some stuff. You know, the text really doesn't lay out all what she's been through, but it tells us that 
She was a lady that, although she had worldly possessions and although she was great and noble and she lived on the upper side of town and she had an advantage, I want you to know something. The advantage she had was she had an understanding of the presence of God. She had an understanding. That was her advantage. I'm here to tell you, you may not have any other advantage in your life. You may not have the good job, the good car, the good house, the good husband, but your advantage is you have the presence of God available to you and He can change every bit of that. And the Bible says that she understood and was willing to do what it took to get into the presence of God. But she had, I believe she understood that because she'd been through some stuff. When you get to the bottom of the story, there were some things wrong in her. There were some things wrong in her marriage. There were some things going on in her life. Money couldn't buy her fix. The Bible says she did not have a son. And it didn't matter what she gained or possessed in this world. And I read this story and another part of the story really catches me off guard. Where it says when God promised it to her, she griped at the prophet. She said, don't tell me that. That tells me this. I don't believe she was disrespectful. I believe she'd been through this situation so long and for such an expended time that it caused such hurt, such pain on the inside of her. She came to a place where she had completely lost the ability of having faith that God could do anything. He might can fix everything else. But this is too big. This is too much. So this was not a lady that was just on easy street. She'd been through some stuff. But what got her through her stuff, I believe, was she had a passion and an understanding that I must be connected to the presence of God. And a lot of times what the enemy convinces us of is, you know, that we're okay. um, And if God needs to get to us, he will. We put the responsibility back on God's shoulders to pursue us or to come and help us or come speak to us if he wants to tell us something. But you need to understand this. The promises of God are not automatic. They have to be activated. There were many a times, the Bible says that he would pass by. That's what it said, he would pass. So he'd been going by a bunch of times, and he never came and knocked on her door. So a lot of times we put the responsibility on God. You know, I love God, I serve God, and if God, you know, if I, when I get in a mess, God's going to come, come. No, you need to understand something. Your answers, your miracle, the supernatural transformation is going to happen in your life when you connect to the presence of God. But the presence of God can pass you by. Have you ever felt like God just missed you or skipped you or passed over you and everybody else got blessed but you? Let me tell you something. You have something to do with it. In the book of Mark chapter 6, the Bible says that the, the disciples were in a boat in a great storm. They were doing exactly what God told them to do. The Bible says they were in a boat and they were going across the sea and a great storm came upon them. And if you read the text, it says this. And Jesus was on a mountain praying. And Jesus saw them, it says, struggling at the oars. Jesus saw their struggle. Jesus saw what they were going through. Jesus saw how hard it was. Jesus saw it happen. And when it happened, the Bible says Jesus got up and he came walking on the water. And it blows me away how it says this. It says that, and he would have passed them by. See, a lot of times we try to put this responsibility on God. You need to know something. You must carry the responsibility of pursuing the presence of God on your own. The Bible says if you'll draw near to him, then the promise comes in. He'll draw near to you. Your life sum will only be as great as the importance you put on the presence of God in your life. You will be never be greater. You'll never you might be a good hunter, you might be a good fisher, but you're not going to leave an impact the way God intended for you to leave an impact without you being connected to the presence of God. It's a must.
That's what you were created for. As a matter of fact, the only time we find, the first time we find men getting into sin is when we find Adam and Eve not in the place connected to the presence of God where they were supposed to be. The Bible said this, the Bible says that God came down to the garden to walk with them as He always did. It says, but instead of Adam and Eve being where the presence of God was, they were hiding. And God had to say, where are you? My greatest fear in my life is when I get to heaven, I walk into the throne room and God says, Cricket, man, sit down and tell me about you. Because there were so many times I came to meet and you weren't there. There are times in my life I didn't value the presence of God. Like I should have. And that's why I'm only able to do what it is I can do now. Because the sum grand part of your life, the, to- the greatness you will carry will come from your connection to the presence. You can tell when you don't value the presence of God enough is when, the, you know, when Adam and Eve was there in the garden and the devil was there talking to them instead of them being in the presence of God. He started asking them questions. Do you know the first question mark in the Bible did not come from God or man, it came from the devil? And the first question mark the devil tried to use against people in the Bible was make them question what God had really said. I can tell in my own personal life where the, where the value of the presence of God is when the loudest voice in my ear is, did God really say He would heal me? Did God really say He could make, fix my marriage? Did God really say, if I'm questioning what God had said, I need to check out where, how close or connected I am to the promises of God, or to the presence of God. But here she said, she would get up and she would go. Now, spiritually... There's a progression in our lives that we're supposed to have. See, she was great. And you need to know something. You were born and destined to be great. But you're never going to be more great than you are connected to the power. My cell phone is awesome. But it's useless unless it's connected to a power source greater than itself. And there are people that try to go through this life without being connected to the presence of God. And their life is they will come to the sum total of being useless because you can't do this without Him. But the Bible says there's a progression. And so she understood this. Her greatness came out of her connection with the Prince of God. Because she got up and would go and pursue the Prince of God, she became great. See, you find people in the Bible that weren't connected to the presence of God. They were never great. The children of Israel, even though they were God's chosen people, they were in Egypt because God had spared them and saved them. They were there in Egypt, disconnected from the presence of God. And when they found themselves disconnected from the presence of God, they began to take on a mentality that they were nothing more than slaves. And so when God moved them out of Egypt, put them in a position to be able to be connected to the presence of God, they had to stay there 40 years before they could ever do anything great for God because you need to know this you will never be great without God because you won't know who you are until you are you will not there you will find your identity in the presence of God you won't find it on your job you won't find it in your marriage you won't find it in relationships that's why we find people all the time trying to find out who they really are how to be really happy how to get through their situation because they don't understand that you will only find your identity when you're connected into the presence of God and when the children of Israel spent 40 years in the presence of God they finally started seeing that they aren't slaves they're giant killers The sad thing about it were there were people that were there 
that didn't value the presence of God. And the Bible says that this, it says that the children of Israel, it says that they would be there and they were, that when the presence of God would come down on the tabernacle, it said Moses and Joshua would go in. And it says, and the people that really didn't value it so much, it says they would watch the presence of God sit and they would turn their backs and go back into their tent and eat. And every one of those that did not understand the power of died in the wilderness, still believing, thinking, feeling, understanding they were slaves. See, you've got to be connected to the Prince of God to find out who you are. Your identity doesn't come from anything else. It only comes from being connected to God because you only know who you are when you know whose you are. I know that because one of the only two that made it into the promised land was Joshua. And it says when Moses would leave the Prince of God, Joshua would stay a little longer. When the slaves of Israel walked into the promised land, Joshua walked in. They thought they were grasshoppers. He knew their God was big enough because he'd seen him. He had been with him and God's presence had transformed him. You will only be great as you are connected to the Prince of God. We're going to speed up real fast here in this story. You say, well, Cricket, how do I get connected to the Prince of God to a place where it changes who I am, who the very person that I am? The Bible said this, that you have to be hungry. And this is what it said. It said that there came a day where her getting up and going to see the, see the prophet when he would pass by wasn't enough. So she began to beg him to come to her house and eat. Now you need to understand this. So you might be here today, but you need to understand what's going on here today. There's a reason why we do worship offering message. Because this is an exchange. See, she didn't go get him, bring her there, and get him to feed her. See, one of the number one reasons why people leave churches is because they say, oh, I just wasn't being fed. Well, let me tell you how this works. See, she got, she persuaded God to come. That's what we do in worship. The Bible says God inhabits the prayer. That's what we sing. That's what we do. That's what we give. And when God gets here, see, He eats first. While you've been here today, the purpose we came here was to offer God a meal. And when we offer God a meal, in return, God feeds us back. You can find this principle out in the story of the woman at the well. When the disciples went off to get physical food for Jesus because he was hungry, he sat there and had a conversation with the lady. The conversation moved to worship. When the disciples got back to him, this is what she said. They said, here's your food, Jesus. He said, oh, I'm not hungry. I've already eaten. But there was no food transformed. God eats the sacrifice of our praise. And this is an exchange. And you can take this to the bank. If you value the presence of God, you don't come here to give from God. You come here to give to God. And if you'll give to God, you need to understand the principle of the Bible. You can never outgive God. So if you'll give to Him, He'll give back to you. And so over the first 20, 30 minutes of this service, you had an opportunity to feed God. And over the last 30 minutes, God has been feeding you. Now the question is this, who ate better today? What kind of meal did you serve the Lord? Because it will depend on the meal that you serve to God be the meal that you get back. Because it says, give and it shall be given unto you, pressed down, shaken together and running over. You need to understand this. So this has been an exchange. So if you leave here today and you are satisfied, you need to go back to the beginning of the service and realize, did I give God what He needed? 
Because He will always have what you need. you got to understand. Even, even Abraham understood this. The Bible says he was sitting under a mulberry tree and he saw three prints of God coming. And as the three prints of God were coming, he jumped up and he ran to them and he said, let me go cook you a meal. Let me make you a young lamb and let me do this and let me do that. And they just said, what you've said, do. And the Bible says he ran off and he got the young goat. He didn't get him an old, stale, ruddy goat, tough leather, old mean goat that he didn't want. Got him the very best goat. And when he got him the very best goat, the Bible says he came and he prepared it and he gave it to the three angels of the Lord. And the angel of the Lord looked at him and said, This time next year, you will have a son. You can't tell me that's coincidence. I'm here to tell you, you got to value the prince of God. And the way you value the prince of God is you got to make room. You got to make room. The Bible said this, and it wasn't enough that she just went to church weekly and got her fix. She said she understood at this point for me to go beyond the level that I'm at, for me to be able to do and fix what I can't fix on my own, it's going to take God and the Prince of God in my life on a constant basis, not just when I go to church, not just when I'm watching Christian TV, not when I'm just on the internet, not in just a few minute prayer time. I have to be willing to make a place for the Prince of God. Now let me tell you what a place costs. Because it says she went to her husband and said, hey, let's build a room. And then she said, let's put a hole in this wall. I'm into construction. Stephen's into construction. We know remodeling a house is expensive. I just got a bid for my house that the last hurricane hit $13,000 to fix the damage to the outside of my house. I looked at it and said, when did y'all get this expensive? And the truth of the matter is this. Anytime you're going to renovate or remodel your life, you got to be willing to pay a price. She said, let me cut a hole. And I can imagine how that conversation went. He probably said, are you crazy? I'm here to tell you, you're only as great as you are connected to the presence of God. And there's some of us here that need to be willing to move to a place to remodel the way we built our life. You may not think every Sunday is important. You might have to cut. You need to understand there's going to be some cutting. That means some, some things that you built into your life might have to come out. Holes may have to be cut into your week to where you can make it to Wednesday night service. Sunday night services matter because you need to understand something. God is not the same at every moment. He's the same, but He does new things, He says, every time He makes a move. And so when we come to church, it's not the same old, same old. I expect God to be different every time I walk into His presence because He's going to do something new inside of me. And you've got to understand you will not be great with that. And so she was willing to cut a hole in her wall and check this out I'm going to speed up we don't got time to finish it and when she did that every time God came that way the Bible says he would turn and come into her house because she was willing to make room and when God when she made God a room what she could not fix on her own. What money could not buy. It was a problem. It said this. It was a problem with her husband. He's too old. She couldn't fix him. She tried. I don't know if it's a marriage problem, a boss problem. I don't know if it's a doctor problem. I don't know what you're looking at trying to fix. But you can't fix that. But I'm here to tell you, God can. And because she made God a room... God looked into her life and he was in her intimate places. He knew what was really wrong on the inside. He knew what was really wrong with the husband. And he said, I'm going to fix this for you. 
said this because, check it out. said, because you have cared for us so good, I'm going to care for you. Man, when you get ready for God to move on your behalf in that thing that you have not been able to fix, you'll be willing to make room for the Prince of God in your life. I love it. Physically, spiritually, emotionally. Like when we shared this with the Eldorado Church, we wanted to make room for God in our city. And they paid a lot of money for that truck and they poured blood, sweat, and tears into it. I'm so proud of that. Because we've seen God do things in our church over the last several weeks that have not seen. We, a couple weeks ago, we had 25 people in a park get saved. Two weeks ago, we had three people raise their hand and get saved in an apartment complex. Things I can't do. I've seen God do because we made room by buying a food truck. I love the principle of what you guys are doing at this campus. God didn't tell y'all to buy a food truck. God told y'all to build an amphitheater. My question to you is this. How important to that is to you is that? Have you been a part of this thing at all? Have you been excited about it, but have you let it cost you anything? Have you let it make a little hole in your wallet? I'm just going to be blunt. Dad can't say this. I can't. Because it said, because they, the prophet said, because you have cared for us the way you have, I'm going to fix what you can't. I'm here to prophesy over you. If you'll make room for God in your life, if you'll pay the price it takes to build Him room, I can tell you, you can count on Him to fix things going on in you, even if you have a lack of faith. Even if it's been so bad that it's knocked the wind out of you and you can't even trust that God can even fix this. God can't give me a job. Don't tell me that, she said. You may think this thing, you don't got the faith to do it. It don't matter if you got the faith to do it. If you make him a room, he will. She made him a room in her life. And he fixed what was wrong on the inside that she couldn't. And you need to know the end of the story. See, yours may be fit. Yeah, I, I would not belong to a church. And not get a part and make it. If I had a lost kid, you better be writing a check because I believe that you may got a room to show up in and this will be the room he uses to save your kid. When you read on down through that story, the Bible says her son grew up and got sick, died. The Bible says she took him, went up to the very room that she made for the prophet and laid him in that room. And it wasn't but the next chapter that kid lived again. All God needs is room. He needs room in your time. He needs you. You got a crooked boss. You got an unsaved boss. God needs room on your job. When you walk in, you bring the presence of God into your job and give Him room to use you to pray for that boss, to worship God in front of Him, to be the example. God just needs a little room. He can change that boss. Has He got any room? Because what God can do in your life will be determined on your willing to make room for Him. When you value the Prince of God, you don't mind making room everywhere you go. In your day, in your time, any place. i got to close, but this is what I want to say. If God has room, He will fill it. If you're here today and, and you have lost your joy, the Bible says He can fill you overflowing with joy. If you're here today and you have no hope, we serve the God of hope. If you're here today and you don't got any money, we got a God that's going to supply all your needs according to His riches and His glory. It ain't your boss's bank account. We got a God here that can change the heart of a king. So if it's a mate that you're believing God for, God says He can move the heart of a king like, a, like He can the river. 
God can change your situation. You have to be willing to make room. And the truth of the matter is, it's going to cost you something. It may cost you an hour and a half on Sunday morning. It may cost you an hour and a half on Wednesday night. It may cost you an hour on Sunday night. It may cost you getting up 15 minutes early and before you get on Facebook, open your Bible app. It may cost you turning on a praise CD in your car. It may cost you instead of on your lunch break, gossiping, you just start praising on your job. Give God some room. And if you're willing to cut a hole in your life to make room for God, God promises He will fill it. Now, the first part of that chapter isn't it about it's not about the lady that had a lot. As a matter of fact, it's the lady that had a little. Because the Bible says there was a widow that didn't have anything but enough meal and enough oil to make a little biscuit. And as long as she had what she had and had it where she had it, God couldn't do anything for her. She had to be willing to take out from where it was and give it to God. And then every time she returned, there was more than enough. You may say, Cricket, I'm not, in, I'm not the one with the advantage. I'm the one that's broken and I'm a widow. I'm here to tell you, you give God some room. And He's going to make sure that you never go without. He's going to make sure that that need that you can't fix will make. He will make sure because that's what the presence of God does. It brings life and life more abundantly. And when you understand how important the presence of God is, I can spend all week chasing the dollar. Or I can make the presence of God priority in my life and make sure if I know where God is, I'm there. If I know what God's doing, I'm a part. If I know how God can use me, I let Him. This is what the Bible says. If I will seek first the kingdom of God, all these things will be added unto me. We're going to close right here with the commitment. You were given cards on your way and you say, Cricket, is this an offering message? No. This is a message that will change your life. God wants to do something in the rest of this year, in the next three months, that this time next year will change everything about who you are, how great you are, what you can do. On that card, there's different levels of commitment. I want to ask you just to take that card up and I want you to read down each one. And I want you to ask the Lord, Lord, which one of these are you wanting me to do? Are you, are you, are you needing God? Are you needing to commit your life to the Lord right now? Is that the hole you need to make? You need to give yourself to Him. Maybe you don't know the Lord as your personal Savior. And today's the first day that you can actually walk into the presence of God as a child of God. This is your commitment. If, if it's to be a part of this building, you need to make that commitment. You say, well, Cricket, it's going to cost too much. I'm here to tell you this. There were a lot of things God has asked me to do in the past. And they hurt. Every one of them stung a little when I did it. But as soon as I got past it, I looked back and said, Oh my Lord, if I would have only known what you were wanting to do for me, I would have given trouble. Because He has never failed. He's always faithful. He's more than enough. He's still the way maker. He's still the miracle worker. So I'm going to pray right now. I want to pray with you. And then we're going to let you go eat some good food. They got it ready. We ready, Missy? They ready to feed you. But before we feed you, I'm going to give you another opportunity to feed God. Because this is an exchange. 
I want to pray with you and then I'm going to ask Pastor Stephen because maybe you came at the beginning of this service tired, exhausted. I tell you, you can't have a more crazier day than I had yesterday. And I tell you, I could not wait to get here because I knew what God was going to do here was going to change what I'm going to do for the next seven days until I can get back into the friends of God. So maybe you missed your opportunity to serve God something that was good. Could you imagine what kind of meal she cooked for him that day to make him turn off the road, go out of his way to go get it? Had to be fried chicken. Had to be collard greens. Had to be that. He was willing to turn, it said. But now, it's your turn to serve. My question is, did you serve him the best you had today? Did you give him something you're greater? The Bible says it's a sacrifice of praise. That means just praise is not enough. You got to take it to another level. You got to take it to a level where it hurts you. In other words, it, it's tough. You praise at a level that, man, it makes you have to stretch. And then you'll see that God will, in return, feed you better than you could ever imagine him feeding you. But I want to pray. I want you to get your card out. I know you're sitting in these cards. I want you to look down. I want you to listen to the Holy Spirit. Father God, I thank you that you are here among us, even in this parking lot. Your word doesn't say you have to be in the church. It says all we have to do is have two or three gathered together. And here we are, right in the middle of this parking lot, Lord. And so I know you're here. I know your Holy Spirit's here. And I know, Lord, that you are desiring to do great things for us and make us great. But, Lord, I also know we can never be and do those without your presence being connected to who we are. And so, Lord, I know this. If we're not willing to cut a hole into the life that we built for you to do something at a greater level than we can do. I know, Lord, that we're just keeping you from having your heart's desire in our lives. And so, Lord, as we read down each one of these, Holy Spirit, I ask you to speak to each person right now. If it's a commitment to you, Lord, I ask you right now in the name of just convict them of their conviction. And I pray, Father God, Anyone that's not in the knowledge of you, I pray they pray with me right now. Father, I ask you to be my Lord and Savior. I believe Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead. I believe today you want my life. You will take my life and you will do great things in my life for me in the name of Jesus. So I commit my life to you in Jesus' name. If it's to be a part of the building project, to let God do something in this city by the hands that he's put in this church, then you mark that on that commitment. Any one of those levels of commitment, I ask right now that you make some sort of a commitment. Make some sort of hold. Make some kind of move. Make the the presence of God so valuable to you that it costs you something. And you watch what God will do in your life for the next three months. Now, I'm going to close this service, Lord, by saying amen. And Lord, I want to give everybody here an opportunity that did not give you the best they had over the next three minutes. They take this opportunity as Pastor Stephen gives us a chance to serve you the best dessert you have ever eaten, Lord, through the principles of worship. We lift our voice. Do you know the disciples that said he would have passed them by in their struggle? He would have done it. It said, but they began to cry out. They began to make a make a room in their boat for him to get in by crying out. The blind man, the Bible says, was sitting there blind. He couldn't do anything about his sight. 
But it said he began to cry out. And when he began to cry out, God stopped in his tracks and said, bring him to me. Will you understand that the woman with the issue of blood, he was going to, he was outpacing her. He was going somewhere. He was in, he was, he had a, he was going to raise a little dead girl from the dead. He had important work to do, but she understood the presence. And if I can just touch him and she struggled and pressed to touch him, when she did, boom, what she couldn't do was done. I'm here to tell you the next three minutes is your opportunity to do what you can and you'll watch God do what He can. Amen? Value the presence of God. It will open the door to the supernatural in your life. What you can't do, He can. All you have to do is touch the presence and your life will be transformed.